Hey, and welcome to the Badger Talks podcast, the podcast which interviews experts from the University of Wisconsin-Madison community about their work, programs, and research, and what they're like as people, too. I'm your host, Ben Rush. Listening to this podcast will also give you a sneak peek of an upcoming longer talk by each guest. Our guest today, Barry Burden, will give a talk called Drawing the Lines, What's Happening with Redistricting on Friday, October 8th at noon central time, virtually as part of the Batcher Family Weekend occurring October 8th until October 10th. A link to Barry's virtual talk, as well as past and upcoming talks from Badger Talks, is in the show notes. Just as a heads up, there will be some truck sounds in the background. For now, let's dive into the interview with Barry Bird. Hi, Barry. Thanks for joining me on the Badger Talks podcast. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Of course. Yeah, we're excited to be here on really an important and exciting topic. Before we get to that, could you say your name and the pronouns you use, please? My name is Barry Burden. That's B-U-R-D-E-N, as in beast of. And my pronouns are he, him. Yes, well, you have been doing a lot of heavy lifting on your topic, gerrymandering. So a beast of burden in uh, some other capacities as well. If people were going to bump into you on the street, what might you look like today? Today, uh, a beard and brown hair, brown hair in the beard and on top of my head still uh, wearing glasses. And lastly, before we dive in uh, deeper, what are your roles on UW-Madison's campus? I am a professor of political science. I've been here 15 years since 2006. I'm also director of the Elections Research Center, which is a nonpartisan institute on campus focused on the study of and improvement of elections in the U.S. and around the world. Uh, that center has been in existence about six years. And if you're going to talk more about your research to friends and family in about two minutes, how would you describe it? Well, friends and family tend to think that politics and political science are the same thing. And so a common question a political scientist would get from family is, when are you running for office or what are you trying to do in politics? Uh, but this political science is really different from that. It's the study of politics. And it is possible, I would argue, to bring a social science perspective and techniques and methods to understand politics. To what degree are voters engaged and represented? To what degree is the system responsive to them? Uh, and those things can be measured <laughs> across states and over time. Um, so that that tends to be my approach to things. And one thing that you were actually talking about uh, in depth at the Family Weekend event coming up for UW-Madison is gerrymandering. And I was wondering if you could just start by defining, because we hear about gerrymandering in the news, you know, it's tied to the 2020 census, but what is it actually? Yeah, and I'll just warn you up front, I'm going to call it gerrymandering. I'm one of the okay. few holdouts. Uh, it gets its name from a former governor of Massachusetts named Elbridge Gary, who was actually vice president of the United States. Just about everyone has adopted the pronunciation gerrymandering. I think it sounds like jerry-rigging or something. Um, there's a long story there, but anyway, I stick to gerrymandering. I, I, I think of gerrymandering as the intentional effort by one group to draw district lines to favor their side and to disfavor the other side. Typically today, that's one political party trying to really put it to the other party by drawing districts that advantage them and squeeze their opponents. There are also other forms of gerrymandering. Sometimes we think of there being a pro-incumbent gerrymander where both sides, both parties will come together and sort of collude to draw some districts 
to keep both the current Democratic incumbents and the current Republicans in office. And so that's a way to kind of diminish competition to keep everybody safe. Uh, but that also is an intentional effort to favor one side over the other, which is the incumbents over the challengers. There's also racial gerrymandering, where one group, typically the white majority group, will draw districts to try to disadvantage minority voters, black or Hispanic, typically. These things are all tied up together because racial identities and partisan identities are strongly connected in the United States. Yeah, and could you describe like the process briefly? Because I know it's tied to the 2020 census to gather the information, but then you can gerrymander and chop up different districts to make sometimes it work in whatever politicians favor. Yeah, that's right. So this happens every 10 years in the U.S. following the census. The 2020 census was a little behind schedule, or maybe a lot behind schedule this year because of COVID and some political disputes. Uh, but the data are now in the hands of all the state map makers. So every state is told, here are, the, here are all the people in your state and where they live. You need to draw new district lines for Congress if you have more than one congressional seat in your state and for both chambers of your state legislature. So that process is underway in Wisconsin and everywhere else. Really, every state handles this differently. Most states run the redistricting process through their state legislature, just like any other bill. That Both chambers of the legislature need to approve a map, and then it's sent to the governor for the governor's signature. It would become law. Uh, I say it's just like any other <laughs> how a bill becomes a law process, uh, but the truth is it's often much more secretive and partisan and aggressive, I would say, than other parts of the policymaking process. If one party is in control of government, they tend to really take advantage and draw maps that favor them. That's what happened in Wisconsin 10 years ago when Republicans were in full control of the process. When there is divided government, as there is today in Wisconsin, we're likely to get a stalemate where the Democratic governor and the Republican legislature will not be able to agree. And so the maps will probably get decided in court. And there are already lawsuits underway in multiple courts um, but I want to point out that there are alternatives to letting the state legislature do this. And increasingly, states are turning to commissions, nonpartisan or bipartisan independent commissions that do the work of the map making separate from the state legislature in, a, in public view <laughs> without secrecy uh, and without the kind of aggressive tactics you see in the state legislature. Uh, just a couple of years ago in the 2018 midterm elections, I think it was four states past referenda to create new commissions. Other states have been doing it for a while, uh, places like California and Arizona. So there are a lot of alternative models to letting state legislatures essentially draw their own district lines. But as I say, more, more states are, are pulling that power away and would rather see it handled by an independent group. Yeah, I like the idea of uh, publicly elected officials showing the public like the actual process of everything. So maybe we'll see that here in Wisconsin eventually. And I know you're, you're presenting on this topic for Family Weekend. Was there something that really spoke to you about presenting gerrymandering in particular? Yeah, I think there are a few hooks there that are interesting. Uh, first of all, this is an issue that affects everyone. Every state is in the process of drawing districts. And it's sort of a mysterious thing that happens often behind closed doors. And we all know that it's controversial. And I think most Americans have a sense that there's something unfair about it often. But getting your hands around how it actually operates and how to assess the fairness of a particular map, I think, is not something that's readily available to a lot of the public. For all of the 
controversy over voting rules and absentee voting and other things that came up in the 2020 election, drawing of districts might be more consequential for which party controls state legislatures and controls Congress. But I also wanted to mention at the, the talk to parents that I'm part of a, an effort on campus called Badgers Vote, which is a campus-wide coalition of students and staff and faculty really trying to encourage voter engagement among our students and awareness and involvement. We do a lot of voter registration activities and uh, we're operating in election years and in non-election years like this one. Uh, and so really cueing families that they can encourage their students to join us. And there are a lot of opportunities for students to get involved. Yeah. And I think that's one of the really nice things about being part of UW-Madison is that happens consistently, like you said, every year where it's just encouraging Badgers to be part of their community. <laughs> I remember my undergraduate days, like, I don't think I'm smart enough to do a lot of different things, but you can indeed uh, help shape the state of your community because you, you know, like you're saying, political science is uh, sometimes wrapped into the idea of politics. I would say it's not completely separate, but you can take a critical lens to the arena of politics. Do you think your work has affected your worldview? I think it has. Students have changed my views on some things. I hope I've changed their views on some things. I actually, actually, one of the classes I teach that I really enjoy is a small seminar on election reform. Very small group of students. They tend to be seniors who are majoring in political science, so they have a lot of background. And we spend time together. It's me and a, you know, a dozen students every week reading a lot of material about controversial election reforms campaign finance, the electoral college, redistricting, voter ID laws, all the hot button issues. And the thing I tell them on the first day is that if they already know what their opinion is on all of these issues and they're not willing to change their opinion, then they probably don't need this class. It's not going to be very helpful to them or to me if all we're looking to do is get more ammunition for positions we already have on these things. That is the nice thing about political science is you can have a sort of detachment from the day-to-day -day arguments that are going on. And it, it gives you some room, I think, to, to modify your thinking in a way that when you're in the middle of the debate, you really don't have the latitude to do. Right. Yeah. And I, I like the idea of that class because I feel like that's just such a classic reason of going to university is to come in with some beliefs have discussions with others, look at the evidence, and then ideally you shape your worldview based on evidence and the opinions of others. What, what I can't solve for people are what are your fundamental values about politics? And sometimes election reforms or anything else in the political sphere involves trade-offs between this thing that person A cares a lot more about and another thing that person B cares a lot more about. And those are decisions we have to make on our own. And I think the college experience also contributes to the development development of those kinds of ideologies or philosophies. But once you've got those in hand, I think the place I can plug in is to say, now let's apply those to a particular context. And if it's the electoral college, say, what's more important to you? Is it that every person is weighted equally in the selection of the president? That's an important value about democracy. Or is it that states are really important units and we need to make sure that they have representation in the process? Or we actually don't quite trust the public and we don't want them to have full control over election of the president. And so having an electoral college that filters the public's views as the founders intended is helpful because it sort of separates the 
whimsical views of the public from the what we hope is a more stable form of government. My last question for you um, is not related to your research at all, but just to try to figure out who you are a little bit more as a person. What do you like to do after work? Well, after work is sort of a funny phrase for academics because the work is sort of happening all the time, maybe between work. During the pandemic, I really enjoyed getting outside just much more. I think all of us have valued that in a way we didn't before. So just something simple like going for a run, going for a walk, playing around a golf now and then. Those are just wonderful things to be able to return to again and again to get away from the computer. With that, thanks for being on the podcast, Barry, and I hope you have a great day. Thanks for having me, Ben. Thanks for listening to the Badger Talks podcast. I hope you enjoyed the interview, and if you want to catch more of Barry Burden, check out his talk on October 8th at noon central time. The link to his upcoming talk and talks by other University of Wisconsin-Madison experts is in the show notes. If you want to hear more about how UW-Madison is informing the state about the political process, you can also watch a virtual panel on the possibility of ranked choice voting in Wisconsin, which Barry helped set up. A link to that is also in the show notes. Until next time, be well. Badger Talks podcast is a creation by the University of Wisconsin-Madison and Deeper Than Data Media. Music composed by Bill Purdy and played by the University of Wisconsin-Madison Marching Band. The podcast is recorded, edited, and produced by Deeper Than Data Media.